You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. So a lot of what you're seeing outside is, is because we love kids so much. We have, a, if you don't know what's going on, and you walked up and said, surely they thought through this better than this. Um, uh, well, this is us thinking through it as much as we can. Um, there's going to be a building out here that's dedicated to the next generation of uh, discipling the children. We know that the primary task of that is within the families, and so we are really here to help you parents in that. And uh, so there'll be that. There's going to be a parking lot over here and around and just all sorts of stuff. Warrior's going to get some attention, of course. So that's what's going on if you have just joined us and not know what's going on. Also, you're welcome, whether you're a member or not, you can come to our Grace uh, members meeting tonight at 530. You're going to hear a little more about the, the procedures and next steps um, in that. So welcome for you to come to that. Turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be. We are taking a couple of weeks away from the book of Luke, which is what we've been walking through. Students, if you were here and last you were here, we were walking through the book of Luke and you're like, man, we're still in Luke. Yes, we're still in Luke. Uh, we've made it all the way to chapter nine though, so that's good. Uh, but we're going to take a few weeks. We're spending two weeks specifically in this amazing, glorious, practical chapter in Romans 12, that follows the glorious doctrinal truths in Romans 1 through 11. Last week, I briefly shared that the book of Romans means so much to us. The book of Romans in this letter that Paul wrote to the Roman church was this amazing work and display of a reminder of what God has done and is doing in our lives. And in chapter 12, Paul begins to share how we unpack that. Everything that we've learned in the first 11 chapters about what God has done and what God is doing, we are now moving forward to response. Last week, we sort of zoomed in more on what that individual response was. And this week, we're going to look more about what that communal responsibility is. So just by way of reminder, let's look at verses 1 through 3 as we remember an individual response to God's grace. We see it in Romans 12, verse 1 through 3. Specifically, Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So he is saying just that right there. By the mercies of God, everything we just looked at, everything that was just explained to you is God's mercy, mercy, mercy. So Paul's saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, here's your response, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What does that look like? First of all, it looks like this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God 
as a sign. What we saw and what we looked at last week is that our first individual response that we have to the mercies of God is to worship God. The, the mercies of God come our way. Our response then should be, let's worship him. Let's give him our life. Let's, let's not conform to the world, but let's allow him to transform us. One of the highest ways to adore and worship someone is to say, I want to be like you. I want you to transform me. I want you to take over my life. And so this is our response to God, to individually worship him, whether anyone else does or not. Individually, I step and give him my life, a living sacrifice to him. So we also see here the beginnings of a communal responsibility, and that's this. If the first individual response is to worship God, the communal responsibility is this, to belong to others. Just as we should individually give, give our lives to Christ in worship, we should commit to a healthy Christian community. Let's look at the remainder, or let's just look at what follows in verse 3. We're going to read all the way down through verse 13. We're going to start with verse 3 again. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So picture this. He just encouraged by the mercies of God, give your individual self over. And here in verse 3, he's saying, don't think of your individual self more highly than you ought to think. But think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Huh. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with Cheerfulness, verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful and still be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And he continues, but for today, that's where we're going to stop. This is the word of the Lord. When God saves us, he grafts us in to being a part of his Body. We are part of his body. We are part of his body. We are not the entire body. We are a part of his body. Just as the third rib on the right side of your rib cage or your patella tendon or the white blood cells are working, they are all important parts to healthy body life. So is your 
and mine individual response of worship. Your individual sacrifice, giving yourself over, is like that rib or that patella tendon or that joint in the pinky. I don't know what that's called. Somebody can figure that out for me. But anyway, that, that thing. In this section of Romans 12, what we see is what a healthy Christian community looks like. We see in verses 1 through 3 what a healthy Christian should look like, giving of ourselves, abhorring what is evil, doing those things. I mean, not conforming to the world, but being transformed. That's what a healthy Christian looks like. But, it, but as he goes on, he unpacks what a healthy Christian community looks like, how we are to be part of a healthy Christian body. We see God's plan here. It's mapped out. It's not hard to figure out. When we want to know what God's will is, we see it real clearly right here. There's a good will. There's a perfect will. There's a pleasing will. And that's not only that we were saved as individuals, we were saved and grafted into one another as a body. So what I want us to do just briefly in our time today is let's just sort of dip down and, and look at God's plan for us to grow together. The first thing we need to understand, what we've already been talking about, is the first step in his plan is to know and remember and hold to this truth that we belong to a body. Simple enough. Many members, one body. Verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Amen. That's good news, right? I don't know who you were thinking about whenever you thought about that, but, but it's good. It's good that we're different. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. There's a, a connectedness. Paul puts forth this wonderful and very clear metaphor that when we are saved, we are saved to one another. He puts forth this metaphor of what a healthy, vibrant church should look like, and that is a healthy, vibrant body. We see it in other places too. In fact, if you want to look with me in 1 Corinthians, we just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when we took the Lord's Supper. If Romans, the letter to the Roman church, is this doctrinal letter of how and why 1 Corinthians is a letter of how it's gone wrong and why it needs to be corrected. There's a lot of beauty here. And one of the beautiful things is that Paul is showing us that it is good to be admonished toward the truth. It's good to cling to something that is good. But what we saw in chapter 11, we always read this part about the Lord's Supper. But did you know that what's happening in chapter 11 is Paul saying you're doing the Lord's Supper wrong. You're doing the community aspect of the Lord's Supper, and it's incomplete. Your hearts, you're taking it for granted. You're not honoring one another. And then in chapter 12, he talks about how God has given you gifts, and he's given you gifts for other people, not just for yourself. He's given you something special to unwrap. This Holy Spirit has given you a gift that you are to use to edify other people. Gifts that are individual, but gifts that you are to share. 
just as the gift of vision keeps your toes from being, you know, broken or stepped on or something, just like the gift of the sense of feeling keeps you from putting your hand on a hot stove and keeping it there, like, ouch, so that's a gift. Your spiritual gift, whatever it might be, is here to help the rest of the body. God's plan is for us to grow together, that we are many members of one body. And then we have verse 12 through 17, where similar to what we have in Romans chapter 12, Paul goes into detail and explains it. I'll let you read that on your own. But what I want to read is verse 18 and 19, after he talks about how there's many parts, and the foot does this, and this part of the body does that, and it goes into this whole thing about hearing, and the one who hears should hear, and all this stuff. And then we get to verse um, 18. But, that, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Let's just think about that. God arranged the members. He's writing to a specific church in Corinth. When I read this as your pastor, I have great joy in knowing that God has arranged the members of the body of Christ, whether it be this specific body or the body of Christ overall. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. He goes on in verse 21 and 26 to talk again, give more specifics. The eye does this and... Different parts do this, and they're all honoring. And then we come to verse 27. And he says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church. It is God's plan for him to save you individually and to connect you with the body. Chapter 11, if you think about it this way, we see the presentation, Paul reminding him, this is the Lord's body, taking the bread. This is my body, which is given for you. Then in a wonderful work, the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul and he says, now the Lord has a new body. The body that was broken for you is to build a new body that's built up with you. It's beautiful. It's involving you. It's grafting you in. The body's broken, laid down for you. The blood is given for you. In chapter 12, we see the Lord's new body being built up with you. And then chapter 13 comes. And you know what's in chapter 13, right? Just when you're like, oh, I want to hold on to this little part of me and this little part of me and my gifts for me. And this, he comes in with a little love, boom, boom. Like 1 Corinthians 13, that's the opposite of love, right? Sucker punches. But he comes with 1 Corinthians 13 with love is this. Y'all need to fix how you're doing community. You need to fix how you're doing communion. Christ laid down his body for you and his blood for you. Speaking of body, there's this new body that he's building up with you. Love each other well. It's beautiful. There's too much for us to really walk through it all today. But what we see here back in Romans 12, is a similar line of inspiration. 
that God has saved us, and he saved us to belong to one another. Not, he didn't just save us to him, he saved us to each other. He saved us to him with each other. And when we refuse, when we refuse to connect and belong to the church body, the church family, we are refusing to belong to something sacred to the God who saved us. The Father who sent his Son who broke his body to build up a body. And we're saying, well, we'll take this body and go, yes, this is for me, but we're going to reject the other body that he's grafted me into. It's sort of taking back the sacrifice just for ourselves instead of giving our life as a living sacrifice for others. So God's plan for a healthy Christian community means we belong to the body of Christ. And next we see that belonging to the body of Christ, as we already hinted at, that there's gifts involved. There's gifts that God gives to us to bless others. Look with me in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8. We're going to read it again. It says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he mentions several of the gifts. We're not going to do a deep dive into what each one of those gifts is doing and how it's being applied today at this church. But what we want to see here is that God's plan is to graft us into the body. His plan is to empower us with gifts and skills that are to be used for one another. We need to receive just as much as we need to give. We need to receive gifts from others just as much as we need to give gifts to others. Part of God's plan for your growth is not just for you to come and take and take and take, but it's for you to come and grow and be involved so you can give to people who need what God has given to you to give. Connecting Belonging to the church family means we get to receive from others. The grace and the mercy poured into you gets to come to me. I've said in our Discover Grace class, I I say it a lot in our community groups training, is that we want to be a church of story. I've always wanted to be a part of a church that just is addicted to telling their story, not just the corporate story of, oh, wow, we need parking. I mean, that's great. But I'm talking about the individual story. Look what God has done and is doing. And if you don't get to share that story with other people in the church, it doesn't encourage the church. We belong to one another. As God's grace is working in you, we want God's grace to work through you, for my joy, for your joy. And all of this is done in the third part of God's plan here that we see. It's all done through radical love. In 1 Corinthians, we saw it. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, all together. Well, here Paul does it to the Romans in one chapter. He just sort of combines it all and We see what radical love in God's 
body looks like. Let's look at it together. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. What does that look like? Well, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We are called not only to belong to one another, but to radically love one another. I, I don't know what was going through Jesus' mind when he was answering the question from the teacher that tried to test him, which is the most important commandment. I don't know if he was thinking forward into what he's going to be brought to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 or Romans 12. But you remember his answer, right? To love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are, that's radical love. That's with everything I've got, I'm going to be loving. Everything I am, I'm going to be loving. Paul reminds back in chapter 12 of Corinthians it's all involving togetherness. And here in Romans, we see, first of all, what radical love looks like. It's, it's genuine. It's without hypocrisy. Doesn't mean it's easy. What it means is even when it's hard, even when it's not always agreeable, there's something deep. There's sincereness and there's, there's sincerity in there. There's, there's a there's a, I still love you even though we're disagreeing. I, there's something real here. I'm not running away from you. I'm here with you. Love is genuine. Radical love, verse 9 says, abhors what is evil. Radical love for a holy God is to abhor the evil and the sin that caused Jesus to come and die for us. Radical love for God is to recognize what is sin, what is evil, and abhor it. Disengage from it. I want to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to give him my all. I don't want to just tolerate and accept the very things today that made Jesus die then. Radical love is not just abhorring. What is evil, it's holding to what is good. Let's be honest, how many times are we deluded to think that holding a grudge is good? Have you ever had those pretend conversations in your car? Like, oh man, I should say this. Yeah, this is what I'm going to say next time. I'm going to see her, I'm going to see him, I'm going to think through that, I'm going to, and you just have these back and forth, it's like, no, hold to what is good. You're going to disagree with people in this room. You're going to get frustrated as you walk and stumble on a rock, and you're like, ah, but hold to what is good. There's good happening. The gospel is spreading. People are learning and loving Jesus more and more and more, so there's going to be ways the enemy's going to try to work in and say, notice this. 
It's where we say, no, we're going to hold to what is good. I, I love the imagery here. It's the protect the good, defend the good, celebrate the good, hold on. I picture the job of a running back, a tailback whose job is to carry the ball from here to there. And everybody on the team's doing their job to make sure that ball moves from this place to that place. The whole team's working. Everybody's working. Sometimes the wide receivers on the outside don't worry. But anyway, everybody else on the team is working to get the ball from here to here. And the tailback, more than anything else, even if he stumbles on the way, his number one job, I'm holding this ball. I'm holding it. I'm protecting it. I think a love for God and a love for his church is the call to not fumble away what is good and what is holy. The enemy's coming behind us and around us trying to strip what is good and holy away. Love for one another, love for God is saying, I'm not fumbling the good away. I'm not fumbling the truth away. I'm not fumbling the gospel away. I'm not going to focus on this when this needs to advance. Radical love is seen in verse 10 when he says, love one another with brotherly affection. We're to love one another as close as the closest family could love one another. Also in verse 10, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. You've heard me joke about this before. Those competitive people in the room, this is your verse in all the Bible. This is your moment. Oh, I get to well, not really. It's not really loving. But the point is, even if others aren't honoring, you be honoring. Radical love is to show honor upon honor. We are all prone to say, well, you do this, I'm going to do this. You say this, I'm going to say this. And Paul is saying radical love is to give your body as a living sacrifice to the one who's given to you and you belong to one another. Part of that means you're going to radically love one another and outdo them in showing honor. Verse 11, we see as we keep going, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I don't know when this week you've used the word slothful, zeal, or fervent. There's three words there that I like. I didn't want to chant, I didn't want to go to any other translation. I love those words. It's, it's good for us to think on. Am I being slothful and zeal this week? Radical love is not passing the buck. It's not hoping someone else will do what needs to get done or be fixed. It's not, it, it's sort of recognizing, well, I don't have much, but I can step forward and at least offer this. Verse 12, we see that um, radical love rejoices in hope. It's patient in tribulation and it's constant in prayer. These three things are also involved with what it means to love one another radically. It's, it's serving cheerfully, full of hope. Did you have a lot of hope walking in across the dirty parking lot today? Or were you like, oh, yeah, I just hope for this thing to be over. Everything that we get to be a part of here at Grace, 
It's an amazing story. It's an amazing, beautiful thing of beholding the majesty of God. And yes, it's inconvenient for now, or maybe this has just been a big risk for you with what you got going on in your life, just to walk into the room with other believers. But listen, you are invited into a story of hope. So no matter what's going on, let's rejoice with hope. Doing it all in the, in the spirit of humble prayer. Constantly praying for one another. I don't, I don't like pretending to know all of Satan's strategies. And I definitely don't like presenting, well, Satan's doing this, so let's beat him at his game. I, I just say we do what God's word tells us to do. But I do know that when we have agitation to one another, just pray. Be constant in prayer. I know when we pray and we seek the Lord and we call out in the name of Jesus, the enemy doesn't like it and he'll flee. Be constant in prayer for one another. And then we see radical love in verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Seeking to help where help is needed and welcome those who are struggling. Has this been your experience in a church? I pray that it becomes your experience in our church. I pray it's our experience here. We're not perfect, but I pray that we would understand that God saved me. He's got a plan for me to belong to one another. And God wants me to use the gifts for one another, and he wants me to love radically one another. I love that in Paul's prescription and plan for the gathering of people in response to what God has done, he does not say, okay, make sure you organize, get together for a concert. He doesn't say, make sure you get together, make sure that every field is goosebumpy. He doesn't say that we are to build a gathering of people that are built and designed around a personality, a smooth-talking CEO type of person that's going to be the front and the head of the whole church. That's nowhere in here. Nor does it say that there should be personalities or pressures that shame and guilt each other into serving. No, inspired by radical love, let's just serve with zeal. And love one another. Instead of being hidden and being fake, let's pray that God help our love be genuine. Instead of tolerating and conforming to worldly standards, let's instead reject and disengage from evil and let's not fumble away what is good. Instead of everyone keeping their distance and just doing whatever they got to do to play nice. Instead, let's come together as a family and occasionally have to have those kitchen meetings. You ever have those? Those awkward, weird, when the kids just want to get out of there and run and then the husband wants to get out of there and run. It's like these, no, we got to talk about these things. Instead of canceling one another, whining, let's be zealous to give and to serve. Instead of holding grudges, let's commit to pray. Instead of running away from the needs that others have, let's open up our heart, open up our homes to one another. Self-importance, loving ourselves with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength means we are going to, first of all, ignore Romans 12.3, which says, 
don't consider yourself more than you should, but we definitely will be ignoring Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're not giving ourselves fully over to God. So, what helps us do this as a church, what helps us structure, it's like, okay, that's all good. I want to take that some good understanding of Romans 12, but how do we at Grace do this? At Grace, one of the things that we feel led to do to help one another belong to God, use their gifts, and love radically is, and it's done through our community groups, our community groups. These imperfect groups gather throughout the week, and I believe if we are the body of Christ, our community group is, uh, they're this beautiful system that serves the body well. In one sense, we're all different parts of the body of Christ. Our community groups are like the nervous system. They're keeping the whole body informed of what's going on. So everybody knows, okay, I hear what's going on. There's an announcement, okay, I'm connected, and I know what we're supposed to be doing in our community. In some sense, it's like the circulatory system of the body. It keeps the blood moving. It keeps it active. It keeps it healthy. It keeps everybody working. And in some sense, it's sort of like the skeletal system. It's like the structure of how we do things at the church where we all get to do our things. And yes, I'm going to go there. It's also like the digestive system that helps us take in what is good. Digestive system isn't just getting rid of the things you don't need. It's, it's taking in and it's pouring things into our body so that we're receiving the nutrients. And so one of the things that's very precious to me in our community groups is we meet together and we talk about what happens here on Sunday. You come here with your backpack and you load it up with this truth of what is being sung and what is being talked about. You get to go to groups and you get to unpack it together. So it becomes part of you. What we see in verses 14 through 18 is more continued examples of what this should look like. But I want to encourage you, if you don't know much about our community groups, here's just a little commercial. First thing I want to encourage you to do, whatever it is, just commit to a group. Like, well, I don't know what the groups are. Well, just right now say, whenever the groups start, I'm going to be a part of it. I'm, I'm going to do that. They're going to be on our website. You'll see more. You'll we'll announce more. Community group leaders, what they do is they simply hold discussions and they organize the group. They don't always host it, but they're leading it. This is a place for you to use your gifts. If you're wondering, where can I serve? Where can I get involved? Where can I give? The thing I'm going to say if you approach me is, which group are you in? Talk to group, community group leader. Get involved with that first. And then if there's more than a community group leader and yourself will come and talk to one of us or the elders and say, hey, we want to we share this with everybody or with more people. Be dependable. Be trustworthy. Be hospitable to your group. Start small. Do you belong in a group yet? Do you desire to belong in a community group? I hope the answer to that is yes because I just asked you to go ahead and commit to it. But here's what I want to ask you to be. If you have led a community group in the past and you're ready to keep going, I want you to come to our August 20th meeting at 5.30 in the Fellowship Hall. We'll feed you. We'll have a time of relaunch and sort of remembering what community groups are about. We're going to pray together, fellowship together. But if you're here and you're a covenant member of our church and you want to lead a group, but you've not done it yet, come to the August 20th meeting. 
We want you there. We, want to, we need more groups watching out. We went in the last year or so, we went from uh, eight groups to 12 groups to 18 groups. We need more than that. I would say almost not quite double that, but our groups aren't supposed to have 50 people in them. Anywhere from eight to 12 is ideal. So people can talk and unpack and use their gifts and radically love one another. So I'm, I'm throwing the vision out to you now. If you want to be involved with our community groups, you want to lead, you want to host, you want to get involved, come on August 20th. Please, we're going to have a registration on, um, on the website. ask you to please sign up so we know how much food to offer you. Please don't miss the opportunity to give and to grow together in this way. We have an individual response to God's mercy, and that's worship. We have a communal responsibility to God's mercy, and that's to belong to one another. Just as we close, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm weary of hearing so-called Christ followers continually throw the church under the bus. Maybe you've been wounded and hurt in the church by a few body parts of the body. But Christ invites you. you. You've taken my body. You've taken my cup. Now come be a part of the body that I'm protecting, that I'm watching over, that I'm going to bring into eternity with me. This is what God has promised his bride. This August, as we readjust our schedules, as you get plugged in and you start learning things, I want to encourage you to make community groups come September a priority in your life. You won't regret it. They're not going to be perfect. I want to encourage you to bounce around if you need to. Encourage you to try this one out, then try this one out. And our community group leaders, they're not going to get their feelings hurt. They shouldn't get their feelings hurt. We're going to tell them in the training, hey, people are just going to come test it. And you might say, oh, Tuesday night works better than Monday night, or this group's a little too big, or uh, I don't know, there's too many mustaches in this. I don't know, whatever the reason is, but whatever the case may be, we want you to find a group that you can be involved with. I know some of the needs we have, and if you want to know specifically what kind of group you would like us to, to maybe consider leading, just call us. We'll love to walk you through that. I want us to pray. As we pray, if you're here today and you watched communion and you heard this message about joining to the body and all you can think of is, I am so far away from understanding the mercy of God. At the end of the service, as usual, there's going to be people at the front. If you want to know more about Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, before you can even think about giving your life to Jesus, you want to know more about what Jesus and what God the Father and the Holy Spirit has done to save you, to redeem you of your past to save you for your future. You don't have to leave here today wondering. Come talk to one of us. Come pray with one of us at the, at the front that time's for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. I'm so happy I get to belong to this group of believers in this body. I need it. I'm so imperfect. I'm so flawed, and I'm glad that they are too. You are not. 
Thank you for receiving us and taking us and grafting us to one another. Help us to walk forward in humility, loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself. In Jesus' name, amen.